Halo, apa kabar? Welcome to the Indonesia Saga with V. A podcast talking crap about Indonesia from facts, culture, funny stories, news, travel tips, or just things. Created and purchased by Indonesian from Indonesia, just for you, wherever you are. My name is V. This is episode 20. How corrupt is Indonesia? Corruption A chronic malady of Indonesia A phenomenon that you can see almost everywhere and every day It's a shame to admit that I am a part of this corrupt society and also took part in it Only one, I guess? <laughs> well. I'm not a government official, but a murderous citizen like me is also very prone to corruption. A bribe to government officials is very common to get things done. For example, I gave some additional money to the district office to get a prioritization for my IKTP or Indonesian electronic ID card. And I swear to you, I'm not telling you this because I am proud of it. No, no, not at all. Yet, how bad is the corruption in Indonesia? Transparency International gave Indonesia a score of 37 in 2020. And how does this score take form in the real world? Well, the Corruption Eradication Commission of Indonesia, or KPK, determined 109 corruption suspects in 2020. The cases involved state officials like ministers and governors as well as private parties. The police of Indonesia even handled 1,412 cases throughout 2020 with the state's total loss is around 3,089 trillion rupiah. So it's hundreds of million USD I think. So, yes, in terms of being clean, Indonesia is in the 102nd rank of world index, far behind our neighbor Singapore. But for me, corruptions in 2020 by our government officials were heartless once, if I could say. I mean, how could you wrong your people when all of us are trying our best to survive in this challenging situation? Our two ministers were busy making more money for themselves by abandoning the public interests. The former Minister of Maritime Affairs and Fishery is now a corruption suspect in the case of lobster larvae export. And the former Minister of Social Affairs involved in the misappropriation of the government's social grants. Not to mention the Jiwaskaya case, a state-owned enterprise that works in the insurance industry faces a default of insurance policy. This insuring corruption is now in fact the biggest corruption case in Indonesia with a total loss of 13.7 trillion rupiahs or around 950 million USD. When it comes to the cost, I think it's 
endless. Given the opportunity or situation to do it, the international factor of the corruptor is also a determinant factor. I believe that it's mundane of us to want more of everything, I guess. So, I'm not going to comment on that as, you know, I might not be better or have it in me to judge a personality of people. As I said, I also did some wrongdoings before and even until now, so I don't have the capacity to comment on that. But if we look deeper into its root, history has always something to do about it. Our past is what makes us now, right? Corruption was very massive during the New Order regime under President Suharto. He was the second president of Indonesia. The regime then left weak institutions and a culture of patronage. It creates an ecosystem that we call now KKN, or corruption, collusion, and nepotism. For state officials, the large amount of public resources is a testament to their fidelity to the country. Decentralization in Indonesia unfortunately contributes to the practices of corruption in Indonesia too. You know, the local government is responsible for over 50% of the government budget. That is the fund used for public services like education, health, transportation, and many more. So you see, the opportunity of manipulation is very big here. Even before the local government takes the power, the chance of corruption is already there. But how? Their election is the moment of truth from the manipulation of votes, mobilization of bureaucrats, intimidation of voters, money politics, and maybe many more anything to buy people's voices to vote for them. For a moment like this, support from the private sector is inevitable for the candidates. Well, you know how it goes, right? According to a report from GAN Integrity, which I totally agree with, there are 10 sectors where corruption in Indonesia takes place. First, is the judicial system. It mostly relates to court verdicts and appeal courts. Many laws in Indonesia are vague and prone to many interpretations that almost not all are correct. This then gives the opportunity for both the judge or prosecutors to manipulate the legal proceedings in favor of, well, those who have money or political influence. And then the second, we also have the police. Yes, the police of Indonesia. The corruption within the institution is no longer a secret in Indonesia. From trivial cases to big cases like drugs or even corruption cases themselves too. A bribe for traffic violations is very common here in Indonesia. In some cases, it is the police who propose the amount. 
I think um, it ranges from 50,000 for motorcycles to 200,000 rupees for cars. But drugs are a big bulk case here, of course. So um, I have some stories. Some of my acquaintances were apprehended for drug abuse. When they were brought to the office, I mean the police station, some were offered to pay some money in exchange for a life verdict or even a closed case. And last year, a high-ranked police officer was involved in a big corruption case. No, it was not about drug abuse. But you know, the funny thing about him is that he is named after a highly respected figure of friends, but his actions were far from noble of a hero. From a nobility of a hero. Well, I don't know if you find this funny, but I find this very funny. If you should know, he is Mr. Napoleon Bonaparte. That's how Indonesian pronounce it. So, French people, if you hear this, we would like to ex we would like to apologize. Les Français, si vous écoutez de ce podcast, nous aimerions nous excuser. Well, FYI, Mr. Bonaparte, this police officer accepted a bribe from Indonesian's renowned fugitive Joko Chandra to erase his red notice on the immigration system. It's a big case, if you must know. It also dragged a prosecutor from the attorney general's office. So, yeah, it's it's a hot issue in 2020. I think the police um, now is sentenced for year of jail based on what I learned from the news. Yeah. So moving on, the third one is tax administration. To be frank, this happens in almost every country. President Jokowi did not escape this. Well, I don't really follow the case, but in 2017, he was put under investigation for an allegation over the elimination of tax debt of a businessman. I learned from the Jakarta Post that this businessman was sentenced to three years of jail. In case you are curious, his name is It's a difficult name for me to pronounce. However, I do not have enough information about the ending of this investigation for our dear president. But I guess it went well for him since, you know, he still sits in the National Palace, right? And the fourth one is custom administration. Oh yeah. Again, citing to GAN integrity, high incidence of corruption hampers the efficiency of Indonesia's customs administrations and procedures relating to importing and exporting goods. So I heard some stories from my colleagues who work in the industry. Not custom administration, I mean in the export and import industry. Um, they often work with, um, you know, Naughty custom agents that impose irregular payments or even arbitrary delays on the goods. I believe the bribe also happens to the personal travelers 
I don't know, never happened to me. But I guess it's really possible since, you know, how customs administrations work in Indonesian airports. If you ever been to Jakarta or Bali, maybe you have experienced it once or twice. I know. Well, anyway, let's continue. The fifth is public procurement. Nothing is ever given for credit. Don't you agree? So, are public contracts and licenses? I think it makes sense if the government will always prefer state-owned enterprises. Sometimes it's not always the case. Money can always do a change of art, right? So, as a result, both private and foreign companies can involve in colluding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very common too here. And then the sixth is natural resources. Logging, mining, or other activities that exploit natural resources are very close to corruption. The licenses and other complicated regulations are often the main causes. In Kalimantan or Borneo, for instance, the election of regional leaders is always followed by the concern of corruption. The candidate might sacrifice the environment to companies in return for support for the election in terms of funds or voters. Um, I think Jakarta is also the same, you know, when, um, when a leader is elected. Um, the people will start talking um, who will be I mean like what he's gonna do to meet his, their promises so instead of making their promises sometimes they break them um, sometimes they you know they issue licenses for companies to build or construct a building uh, in a green space okay so they promise that it's a green uh, green space but at the end they issue a license to private companies to construct a building there so well what can we do as there are people we can just complain but I don't think we can do further maybe we can but it may be very challenging. Yeah. Um, and then um, the seventh, yes, we have the seventh here. The seventh is um, legislation. Well, who doesn't know the way legal enforcement in Indonesia? Some say this is due to the civil servants that are poorly paid. I 100% reject this argument. If that's the case, why more than a thousand people apply for the job every year? It's because of the many incentives plus a big opportunity to obtain more money from bribing as a civil servant, right? <laughs> well, I was just kidding. But um, somehow it's true, civil servants are no longer poorly paid. 
They are one of us who are not financially affected by the pandemic, I guess. So in my view, this matter should be attributed to mental. I mean, academic and emotional intelligence of someone to decide to corrupt something. So it should be their education, I know, their sympathy to other people, their tolerance. Um, yeah, it should be something. It should be something like that. Yeah. And last not least, last but not least, is civil society. Citing the FITW in 2016, civil society groups command on policies and are able to exert their influence. However, organizations with views deemed extreme are subject to government monitoring. And I don't know why, um, but I feel that this new government of Joko is slowly but surely becoming the antagonist here. Is it just me or you feel the same as me? Well, I talked about this um, on my last episode about democracy, so maybe you can take some insights from there. Oh, shoot, I forgot one. The land administration, yes, we should talk about that too. Yes, GAM integrity also sees massive corruption in land administration in Indonesia. Um, frankly, I'm not really familiar with this, but I read some news about it already. So, yeah, companies giving gifts is very common here. So, when it comes to land administration, their agenda would construction would be construction permit and property rights. Judicial personnel like judges often involved in cases like this. Yeah, that's how it goes in Indonesia. But um, seriously, do you think that Indonesia will be free of corruption one day? I am actually so curious about what people think. So, I posed a question on a forum, and luckily some very kind people noticed my question and I get some very interesting insights. Rob from Indonesia, I can say that he's a realistic person. He is optimistic that Indonesia can fight against corruptors from the lowest to high-ranking officials with some punishments. Well, yeah, that's very possible. But, Rob, if you ever listen to this podcast, I don't agree with you about a death penalty. I understand that it's very bad to rob the rights of other people. However, I don't think that we are entitled to rob the human rights of other people either. It just does not feel right. Besides, Indonesia is already tested with its intention to really respect human rights. So, no, I would say no to death penalty, even though there are corruptors. No, no. Yet, I somehow agree if it's impossible for us to be completely free of corruption. You are right, Rob. Our parliament won't pass such a strict law for perpetrators of corruption, let alone the death penalty. Some of them might have alliances after all. Oops. 
By the way, thank you, Rob, for your kind answer. If you listen to this podcast, thank you so much. Meanwhile, um, a friend from the neighboring country, Vietnam, also shared his pessimistic thought. Citing Nguyen here, he said, You guys have the exact corruption rate like us and triple the population. I think we'll never leave the corruption-free country without spending our own blood to make a change. Whoa, that's fierce, but perhaps he is right. Thank you very much, Nguyen. I um, share the same feeling as you. <laughs> and me, of course. Um, I wish for a clean country and there's a hope that Indonesia can do it. But as they say, hope can be the most dangerous weapon to ruin your expectations. There are so many things to be done. One fundamental thing to be done is for sure to educate our generation. Well, education is the light to guide us in life, right? <laughs> so much of a wisdom for you. Indonesia also, um, you know, needs to fix its complicated bureaucracy, eliminate any opportunity for bribes or irregular payments in any sector. Also, the reinforcement of the Corruption Eradication Commission or KBK. Sometimes, I wonder what Indonesia would be without KBK. Thank you for getting to know Indonesia. If you like our content, share the podcast or tell your friend about it. Check out our site at www.indonesiasega.com. Do you want more of Indonesia? Stay tuned with us for more exciting topics about Indonesia. Until the next episode, terima kasih, sampai jumpa.